This is The House Call. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to The House Call Podcast. This is The Brick House. I'm here with my man Nick and my man Ethan. My name is Matt, and we're going to be talking about all the big news from the NBA this week. We've had some crazy news, some crazy games, some injuries, some guys coming back from injury, some beef that we're going to get into. We'll get into all of that. But first, big shout out to our sponsor, Liquid IV. You get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code at the checkout. Then the code is the underscore house underscore call underscore podcast at liquidiv.com. Great hydration supplement. I know I use it personally a lot. Shout out to Liquid IV for sponsoring us. Now, let's get into this NBA stuff, man. Steph Curry, injured, left shoulder injury. Quote, he's going to be out for a few weeks. I don't know exactly what a few weeks means. That could mean two weeks. That could mean four weeks. But I would guess somewhere in that time frame. And if y'all don't mind, I'm going to go first on this one because I've got a, I don't know if it's a strong opinion, but I want to know what you guys think about this. So in my opinion, this injury for the Warriors who are 14 and 15 right now in the 10 seed in the West, I don't think that they're going to be able to overcome this injury. And by overcome this injury, I mean, get to a finals or maybe even get to a Western Conference finals. I think the Western Conference finals is the absolute ceiling for this team. The last three seasons without Steph Curry, their record is 24 and 66. In Steph Curry's career, their record is 67 and 133. I don't see how this team can make the finals without, with, obviously he's going to come back, but even with him there, they're 14 and 15. They look disjointed. They don't look like they care. They got too much going on. They got the whole Draymond saga. Nothing looks good. The young players are underperforming. Their older guys, the, the, the veteran guys they have don't look the same. And unless they make a big move where they flip some of those younger guys or they do something different, and you know they go get a Bradley Beal or one like a superstar who's who's on the trade market. I don't see how they're gonna how they're gonna overcome this. So I'll go to you first, Nick. What do you think about the Warriors? How do, how does this injury affect the Warriors? Do you think they're capable of making a run out west? No, I think uh, I think the panic meter has to be extremely high right now for the War- Warriors organization, Warrior fans, Warrior players. Um, Steph Curry is the is is the catalyst to everything that that makes them go. So taking him out for a few weeks uh they they're really going to need everyone else to step up tremendously and i just don't see that happening so they're they're ready in the bottom of the west right now and basically the the best that they can hope for is that they stay uh in that in that bottom range in the play in, in the play in seed range until steph curry gets back that would be uh that would be my absolute best case scenario for them yep I 100% agree. I think they're really going to struggle without him. Ethan, what do you think, man? Do you think the Warriors can hold on while he's out? No, not a chance. Um, what I was reading is I guess the injury he has, when he comes back, it is a really high re-injury risk. So that can definitely put a factor in how long he's going to be out for. Plus, with already how they're performing, it would be surprising if they can actually stay in the play-in tournament area even when he comes back later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this team is not looking good right now. You've got, like I said, a bunch no. of aging superstars. This feels like a last dance to me, except the last dance ended with a championship. This feels like a last <laughs> dance that's not going to end with a championship. It's just going to end ugly. I mean, you and you look at their home road splits, like their home road splits are ridiculous. Right now they're 12 and 2, 12 and 2 at home and they're 2 and 13 on the road. And their first four games without Curry coming up are an East Coast trip as the Celtics saw going from 
east to west or west to east last week it's tough those cross-country trips are tough so they got an east coast trip coming up they're already on it they've lost their first two games to indiana and milwaukee on it now they got philly toronto the knicks and the nets all in a row all east coast without steph curry i could easily see them losing all four of those games and then they come back home and then they got memphis they got charlotte but i mean lamello ball's coming back which we'll talk about later then they got utah and then they got portland they got the fifth worst defense in the league and where's all this offense going to come from now? Like, Steph Curry is carrying this team. He's averaging 30 on 50-40-90 right now. They need more offense. Jordan Poole's going to have to step up. Clay's going to have to get his, his shit together. Like, the Warriors aren't looking too good right now. So, last week I was I was saying, kind of said, we talked about the West favorites, and I said, you know, I think it might be the Warriors just because there's nobody else. Now I'm off the – the Warriors are not making the finals at the West. They'd be lucky to make the Western Conference Finals. It's just not going to happen. I don't see how it happens. And that Steph Curry injury is going to be super, super detrimental to their success for this season because I don't I don't see it anymore for them. But so we'll move on to another injury. Cade Cunningham, the young star out of Detroit, a left shin injury. He's going to be out for the season. I'll go to you first, Ethan, on this one. How do you think this impacts the Pistons? Um, I honestly, at the end, it's a good thing because now they can actually fully tank for Victor Wenbanyama which is the whole race for everything right now when it Mm -hmm. comes to all the bottom teams in the league. I mean, I had high hopes for Cade this season. All those are now gone, and my dreams are shattered. But in the end, they have a chance at Victor Wimbanyama, which is like the sweepstakes for the year. 100%. I completely agree with you. Uh, What do you think, Nick? Do you think this could end up being a positive for the Pistons? Mm, So I don't think it's a positive. Um, Just because when... When the NBA switched to the lot, how they did the lottery, you know, the, the the worst place team isn't guaranteed the number one pick anymore. True. So you just lost out Cade Cunningham a whole year of his progression, getting that experience in the in the NBA. Uh, what it's only his second year, so mm-hmm. I still think he needed to learn and grow. And even with him learning and growing, they would have had a great shot at getting Victor Wembanyama next year. Now, sure. they're, now it's just a whole year back in his progression, and um, it's not even guaranteed that they get him. So I just don't think it's a great thing for the Detroit Pistons and for their fan base. They they definitely didn't want to see this because he was the only bright spot they had on that team. Yep, no doubt. I kind of agree with both of you guys. I mean, Cade Cunningham's a really versatile young player. He can pass, rebound, score. He's averaging 26-6 and six this year, so 20.6 boards, 6 assists. He's a really solid young player. His efficiency numbers aren't great yet, but I mean, like both of you said, we both know the Pistons weren't going to do anything this year. They weren't even going to make the play in. There was nothing expected of them, but I kind of see where Ethan's going. Like the, you get a better shot at Wembenyama and you can let your young, uh, your other young guard, Jaden Ivey, who they picked up early in the first round this year, you can let him develop a little bit. You can give him a little more free reign in the offense, but obviously it sucks for, like you were saying, Nick, it sucks to see him go down because of Cade's personal development. And obviously, you know, any season ending injury is serious and you don't know how he's going to bounce back from it. So hopefully wish Cade a speedy recovery, recovery. Hopefully he can bounce back and become the, uh, the player that everyone expects him to be next year. But we'll go on to another injury. This time we'll go on to someone who's coming back from an injury. That's LaMelo Ball of the Charlotte Hornets, one of the biggest young stars in the game right now. The Hornets right now are the last, literally the worst team in basketball. They're 7-21. and 21. So I don't know if this question really matters, but I'll go to you first on this one, Nick. Do you think he can? there's any way that LaMelo Ball can turn this Hornets season around? Uh, no, I think that um, they're, they're too far. It, it, we're 30 games into it, and we've seen enough, a good, a good chunk of the season to see the Hornets play. And even with 
adding LaMelo Ball. I just don't think that's going to change how they play drastically. Yeah, he's a great young player, but I still think he needs a lot of learning and growing himself to do to be become a winning player. And, you know, maybe maybe they get Victor Wimbanyama and him and LaMelo. That would be a great, great combination to, to pair up, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that they're going to be, they'll probably finish bottom five in the NBA, even with LaMelo. Uh, so I don't expect him to do much. I agree. Ethan, what do you think? Should should the, should the Hornets even want themselves to turn the season around, considering I mean, that you know, they would give themselves a better shot at Wembenyama? I mean, they're already you know laden with injuries right now. It's You have already Gordon Hayward, who's going to be out for how long? Well, I think I saw something where he's going to come back uh, yeah. relatively soon. But that, that's but, the I thing. Mean, they're still paying him like $30 million a year for him to play like 20 games. Yeah, and he's not Gordon Hayward anymore. Um, not the, not no, the he's Gordon not. Hayward we know him. Yep. Mm-hmm. You have multiple other injuries with LaMelo back. I mean, yeah, it helps with his development, but it's it's already a dumpster fire. The most that he could really turn it around is, I would even say, maybe maybe the last playing spot, but that's it. And even mm-hmm. then, I don't think they'd want to get that because, you know, sweepstakes for Wimbanyama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm I mean, I I feel the exact same as both of you. I don't I don't think they'll turn around, and I don't know why they would want to because the team has no shot at winning. The, even if, like Ethan said, if they somehow make the plan, there's no shot they're going to win the plan. They're going to get booted in the first game of the plan, and even if they somehow got through the plan, there's no way they're winning around in the playoffs because you're either going to have to beat the Bucks, the Nets, the Celtics, or the Cavs, and you're not getting through any of them. So. Uh, the the team is not good, so why not just give yourself the best chance at Wembenyama? I mean, you just you just gotta you know you gotta tough out this season and then hope that you get another star. And I know that Michael Jordan, the owner of the the Hornets, who's listen, he was maybe the greatest basketball player of all time. He's one of the worst owners in sports. He cannot figure out how to get good players on the on the Charlotte Hornets. I know he is begging and pleading right now, like please, we want to suck this year so that we can get Wembenyama next year. But I mean, you got if you compare Wembenyama and Lamelo, like Lamelo's Lamelo's flash and his passing, his handles, those deep threes, and then you get you know the the highest touted prospect since LeBron and Victor Wembanyama, like that would be a pretty sick pairing for them out east. So that's what they should be hoping for. I don't know why they would hope for anything else at this point, considering they're literally the worst team in basketball right now at seven and twenty-one. But we'll move on to some teams who don't suck, being the Pelicans and the Suns. We saw a couple of crazy games last week between those two. We saw one where, the, well, the Pelicans won both, but the first one ended pretty crazy with some beef. Zion hit a nasty 360 windmill when he could have just dribbled the clock out. Kind of a skirmish ensued. Both teams are talking trash. We saw CP3 elbow Jose, elbow Jose Alvarado doing his classic CP3 kind of bullshit tactics. But uh, yeah, that was a dirty play. But man, he's, man, you see that stuff every year with him. He's he's doing stuff like that all the time, but. So, uh, Ethan, I'll go to you first on this one, man. Do you think this is a potential playoff matchup? I mean, yeah, it could be. I would I would more realistically say they could be the I, – I wouldn't say the four and five where they face in the first round, but I would possibly say it could be a conference uh, final matchup, which is, I think that would probably bring in a lot of fucking ratings. <laughs> um, no, I, that is – it could be the, the greatest rivalry, uh, rivalry of this season. It, overall, I mean – you got CP3's bullshit, and you got Zion's bullshit. What could be better? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and I mean, the, just the just the it factor with Zion, how he's such a star, and then you got you know the Suns, who have been such a they've been a pretty consistent team over the last couple of years since they got CP3. But 
Nick, I'm going to ask you this, man. Obviously, the Pelicans have a better record, but, you know, the Suns are a little bit more playoff proven. Do you think the Pelicans are just straight up better than the Suns right now? Um, I, 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 th- I think that the Pelicans have more, have more young talent and want to prove themselves more. I think that mm-hmm. the Suns have one of the best coaches in the NBA, Monty Williams, absolutely amazing. And I think that they have uh, that playoff experience. So they're and they're they have some older older guys like like Chris Paul. So they need to wait for the end of the season to to turn it on more. I think Zion, Brandon Ingram, and all these young guys on, on the Pelicans they want to prove themselves and show the world that like, hey, we we can be a top two, top three seed, even the one seed right now in the West. And uh, that's where this coming this is coming from. I uh, I loved what Zion did. If if the Suns wanted to run the ball out, they could have ran the ball out. Chris Paul had it. There was like t- 15 seconds left. Most teams, if they're down 15 or whatever it was, would just stop. Chris mm-hmm. Paul decided to go one on five when all his other teammates were, <laughs> they were like, yeah, we're done. He misses the layup. And then Zion's like, okay, it's my turn. And uh, I think it's great for the NBA, great for the great for the fan bases, because at the end of the day, I don't want to see these teams being buddy buddy after the game. Like, no, I was. I, agree. I, play, I, I played sports. Show the competitive nature out there. Like, I, I want you guys going at each other. So, if if this is what it takes for for people not to be so buddy buddy in the NBA, maybe every every team should be doing this. Man, I can't tell you how much I agree with that. I love this shit, dude. I was in love, dude. When I uh, first of all. The fans at the the fans at that game where Zion did the 360 windmill got their money's worth. Like that's what you want to see. That's what people come Pelican for. Game. Yeah, that's what you want to see. You want to see Zion Williamson jump his you know 280 pound body 45 inches in the air and throw down a windmill. That's what you want to see. So he gave everyone exactly what they wanted to see at the end of that game. And then the beef. I am so here for the beef. I yeah. love beef and sports it's amazing it just makes like like you guys were saying if they meet in the playoffs like people are gonna watch those series because they want to see the just the tempers flare and just the the guys go back and forth and just a little chirping like that's the stuff that i love so much about sports so like both of you said like i could definitely see this matchup you know playing out in the playoffs like we saw it last year like it literally happened last year you know when zion wasn't there and it was the first round and the pelicans took him six without zion so i mean and the pelicans are just are, are better this year. And honestly, I think the Pelicans are just better than the Suns at this point because the Suns look a little bit just disjointed to me. Like Aiton doesn't yeah. want to be there. CP3 looks old and hurt. Like CP3 doesn't look the same. Devin Booker's having to carry. And I don't know if Devin Booker's capable of that. We've, we haven't seen him really ever do that. We saw him do it a little bit this year when CP3 was out, but we really haven't seen him uh, do it that much. Like New Orleans is a better rebounding team, shoots better from the field, averages more points, and actually is third in league in defensive efficiency right now. And feeding to ninth, so I—I I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons why you would pick right now because they are playing better basketball. You can see it in the standings, you can see it in the numbers, you can see it on the court when they play each other. And like I said, I need this beef in the playoffs. Like this is what you want with playoff basketball. Exactly. Like you guys know, like when it was like the Celtics and the Heat, or just like Celtics and LeBron. Period. Like Celtics, Lakers, like all those rivalries, rivalries when you get to the playoffs and where guys are just in each other's face and like going at it like, man, we need that. So hopefully we get to see that playoff matchup in the uh, play out in the playoffs because that one's going to be exciting for sure. But I just mentioned Celtics Lakers. We got to get to this Celtics Lakers game, man. This was an absolutely crazy game that we saw on Tuesday. Celtics jumped out in the first half to about a 20 point lead. They were going crazy, hitting all these threes. Everybody thought it was over. And then the Lakers go on 
what is a, a 31 to 5 and a 45 to 12 run to give themselves a 13 point lead with like five minutes left to go. Then the Celtics come back from down 13 to tie it. And then the Celtics end up winning in overtime. Incredible game. One of the best regular season games I've ever seen. Just the swings back and forth were so crazy. And the, the Celtics got off to a little bit of a rough start on their on their road trip against uh, the Clippers and Golden State lost their first two games in California, those two California teams. But then they got that big win against the Lakers. So, Nick, I'll go to you first on this one, man. What do you think this mean? Uh, this win means for Boston? Um, I think it's huge. I When I was watching the game, it, it gave me flashbacks of early last season. And I was like, oh, my goodness. The Celtics are reverting to, to last season. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is... This is not what I want to watch, you know, turn, turnover after turnover, just letting the other team score. And um, they they always get these big leads and then blow them. So it was, it was just great that we kept our composure. I love what Joe Mazzullo is doing, letting them play play throughout, play through it. Uh, you don't need to call timeouts all the time when, when your team's in trouble. And uh, I think that Tatum and Brown are finally turning that corner where they're just, they're just completely dominant. They're at this age where... You don't. You can just let them go. You don't need to call timeout to get their composure all figured out. You can see mm-hmm. last year, even in the finals, they would lose composure throughout the games multiple times, and it it, it just seems like we've completely turned that turned that turned turned that off. And uh, now the sky's the limit for for the Celtics team. So as long as we stay healthy, we got Robert. Will- we're getting Robert Williams back today. Yep. I think uh, I think we're we're just gonna keep on doing what we're doing. So. If we're not the one seed, we'll probably we'll, we'll be the two seed at, at the least. Yeah, I think it, I think it was a low key big win for him because, like you said, you know the especially I think them going back to Golden State last year after we saw what happened in the finals, they had that two one lead and then they go back to Golden State, they lose again this year. That you know it could be a kind of psychological thing going on with them, and then mm-hmm. they come back and they get a huge win, but. Ethan, they get this big win, and now they got Robert Williams coming back, like uh, like Nick was saying today against Orlando. So, what do you think this win means, and what do you think this Robert Williams addition to this lineup means? The win, I honestly thought the game was going to be a lot closer throughout the entire thing, not just the final, you know, mm-hmm. quarter. Um, I mean, it's it's going to be hard to win games when you don't have Rob or Horford, and you have Blake starting at the five. Mm-hmm. Um, though he has had success in the past, the season, it's just. In no possible world should Blake be shooting 13 times in a game when he's starting at the five. Like, please just stop, dude. <laughs> I would I trust Cornette with 13 shots, not you, Blake. Yeah. Um, Bla- I, I thought we were going to get out-rebounded like hell because of Anthony Davis lately. But mm-hmm. overall, it was a great game. It was a huge win. And tonight, we do have Horford and Rob. So I think it's just hopefully it, uh, it all goes well. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, man, this was a... Crazy game. Jason Tatum, dude, 44-9-6 and six on 50-plus percent shooting. The the shot that he made over LeBron. And then he had another one in overtime where he did like a half-spin step back and he got like crazy separation. I was watching that like, oh, my God. this the, the, he's He was in his bag. Like, he was going crazy, uh, especially in that – Go for uh, it. Uh, what what made me what made me just relish that moment where Tatum hits that jumper to tie the game is you see Pat Bev in the right behind him <laughs> and Pat, Pat, Patrick Beverly was saying I figured Tatum out I can stop him and it's like you're not you're not even good enough to be in the game in this type of situation so you're gonna Yo. watch him hit a jumper a fadeaway jumper right in front of LeBron Pat Bev like. Pat Bev, I don't know. I don't think Pat Bev's ever going to see this, but Pat Bev, if you see this, like, just shut the fuck up. Like, why do you still talk? 
Exactly. Like, bro, like, I literally, I saw this man, this NBA player, Patrick Beverly, dead ass, brick, two wide open layups in that game. Like, he had a wide open layup from the baseline, threw it off the backboard. He had another one wide open in front of the, bricked it off the backboard. Like, bro, guys at the YMCA can make wide open layups. You're in the <laughs> NBA. You got to make a fucking layup, Pat Bev. Like, holy shit, dude. But... Like that, was, like again, it was an insane game, and it. I'll go from the I'll go from the Lakers a little bit right now. Like those AD missed free throws. Like AD shooting eighty two percent on the that season. Cost the and game. You get, it cost them the game, and you got two free throws to put it away, and you brick both of them. Like the Lakers have that huge run, and you could just see the energy go down. Like they they blew all their energy getting that run, and then as soon as they were up thirteen, they thought the Celtics were going to give up. The Celtics didn't give up. They came right back at them. You know, so the Lakers got super tired. You saw LeBron start jacking up threes. They uh, like in overtime, Westbrook was taking up taking all the shots, and he was jacking up threes. And the Lakers got some of the worst clutch time stats in the league right now. And again, we've talked about this a lot with the Lakers. You guys got to make a move. Go get a fucking shooter. Like you guys need shooting. You have no shooting. Your three best players aren't shooters. Like, and this this game was crazy from their perspective too, because you got AD going for thirty seven points, twelve boards, and three blocks on fifty four percent shooting. You got LeBron going for 33 points, nine boards, nine assists on 56% shooting. Even Russ goes for 20, 14, and five, and you lose the game. Like, you need other players around these guys. Like, Lonnie Walker's okay. Reeves is okay. But you need They're other role players. players. They're all role players. You need a, you need another guy. And I heard, I heard a ridiculous rumor the other day that they were inquiring on Kyle Kuzma again. Like, dude, you literally just traded him. Why are you trading <laughs> back for Kyle? You're like, you, you want Kyle Kuzma back? You just traded him away. Uh, I heard another one about Bogdan Bogdanovich from Detroit as well, but I don't know, man. What do you guys think about uh, from the Lakers' perspective on this loss? How should they feel? It should be it, – it's, it's got to be a devastating loss because at halftime, they're down like – I think it was 16 points at halftime. You fight all the way back to be up 13, and then you have the guy who you paid all these millions of dollars at the free throw line to close it out. If he hits one free throw – it it makes it that much tougher if he hits two game sealed and he missed he he bricks both like you could tell he shot it and like right when he releases his off his hand it's like yeah that's that's way too far Mm -hmm. and uh when when you're when you're this far down in the standings these are these are like momentum building games and they failed to capitalize on it so now now they have to try to find another momentum building game to win like this to get their momentum back because Boston just stole it all. Yeah, and like you said, this would have been a perfect one to be a springboard for them to make a you know a five six game win streak, get them back over five hundred, get them back in the playing. But again, we saw them blow a lead last week against Indiana where they had an eighteen point lead going to the fourth and they blew that one too. So, what yeah. do you think, Ethan? What do you what do you think this means for the Lakers? Um, I mean, I don't want to blow smoke up their ass, but I mean, it's just. This isn't good for them. It's They haven't been good all year. I mean, yeah, they've won some games, but it's like you need a shooter, but you don't have the assets to trade for a shooter. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants a one-year rental on all of your mid-level exception players or your veteran yep. minimum players. Nobody wants a 2029 first-round pick. It, it, it's it, Nothing is going right for them, which hey, I have They've got a, they've, they've got a 2027 first-round pick too, okay? 2027 <laughs> oh, sorry, and sorry, 2029. Sorry. <laughs> They, they, they have nothing going right for them, and I'm happy because of it. <laughs> because fuck the Lakers. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm I'm a Spurs fan, so I've, I've I grew up as fuck the Lakers. So 
yeah, so I, I agree with both of you, man. The Lakers, they got to get their roster figured out. They got to get their they, they got to get a lot of shit figured out. There's a lot of things that that need to start going right in L.A. But we'll transition to we just talked about the Celtics and the Lakers. And there's quite a few all stars that I would guess are probably going to come from that team, at least four off the top of my head that I can think of. But we're going to do some all star game predictions. We're going to predict the starting lineups for each of the uh, each of the East and the West. Um, and we'll start with the two guards from the East. Uh, Ethan, why don't you go first, man? Who do you got from as the your two East? guards out of the East? Yep. I'm, I'm going to have to go with, uh, well, my number one is Donovan Mitchell. Bro has been lighting it up all year round. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really need, need to explain it. My second guard, I'm going to have to go with Jalen Brown just because of how consistent he's been and the sets he's been putting up as of late. Yep. I agree with you on those two, Ethan. What do you think, Nick? Who are your two guards in the East? Yeah, uh, so Jalen Brown, he has to be a lock. And um, th- this is where it gets tough for me because I, I, um, I, if, if I, I would pick Donovan Mitchell for sure, but I almost think that the East might go for four forwards and one, and one guard. Uh, so if they do do that, then I would see Tatum and Brown in the guard mm-hmm. positions. But uh, I'll, I'll do two guards and I'll say Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brown. Yeah, I think... They've been manipulating the all-star game for sure. Like they might like put like Tatum as like a guard slash forward so yeah. they could get him in as both him and Jalen Brown in as guards. And then we'll talk about the East forwards here next because there's a man, they got some beasts of forwards out East, but I agree with you both. I think it's Donovan Mitchell. I think it's Jalen Brown. Mitchell's a three seed in the East. He's averaging 29 a game, 50% from the field, 42% from three, 89% from the line. He's almost at a 50, 40, 90. So he's yeah. going crazy leading that team. And then Jalen Brown, like you guys said, He's on the best team in the East. He's averaging 26.6 a game, 50, uh, 50% from the field, 34 from three, 81 from the line, seven rebounds a game, great defender. And I think the only other one that you could really even consider as far as guards go is Trey Young. But yeah. he's the nine seed in the East. He's averaging 27 points a game, or he's averaging basically, he's averaging 0.2 more than Jalen Brown. He's averaging 10 assists a game, which is good too. But his field goal percentage is bad. He's averaging he's 41% from the field and 28% from three. So he hasn't been very efficient. And as we know, Trey Young can get exposed on the defensive end. So he doesn't bring much as far as defense goes. So I think you guys are right. I think it's, I think it's Donovan Mitchell from Cleveland. I think it's Jalen Brown from Boston uh, as your two guards that you would start out East. But now we'll transition to, this is where it gets a little more interesting because like I said, there are some beasts of forwards out East. Uh, Ethan, who you you got to pick three forwards out east? Who are your three forwards? I'll be honest. I think starters? all of us have the same forwards here. Um, so I, I got I got Tatum, Giannis, and Embiid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, it's yeah, really it's, self-explanatory here. Yeah, those th- there's one more that I think Nick is going to mention, but I'll go to Nick on this one. Who are your three forwards, man? Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go Tatum, Giannis, and KD. Yep. So. I just think that I think you can start Giannis at the five, especially in the All Star game. Sure. You got, Kev, you got Kevin Durant averaging thirty points on fifty six percent shooting. Fifty six percent shooting. So, so and, and and then oh he's averaging six point seven rebounds, five and a half assists. So mm-hmm. uh, he's doing it all. And how could you not have the best shooter in the world besides Steph Curry when he's injured? Um, be be on the all-star starter team so man i listen i was i i I was thinking about this one too hard like i was like why are you stressing about stressing out about like fictional all-star game starters you know like this is like not that important but like 
So I agree with both of you. Jason Tatum's got to be in there. He's on the best team. He's averaging 30, 47% from the field, 36% from Number the Number one line. in the MVP or, conversation. Yeah, I mean, how would he not be there? Yeah, 30, 36% from three, 86% from the line, eight boards, four assists, a steal, and a block. Like, Tatum's got to be there. Giannis obviously has to be there, second best team in the league, 31 points a game, 53% from the field, 11 boards, five assists, a steal on the block. He's got to be there. Now, your two answers are what got me twisted. I was thinking, <laughs> I was, I was trying to decide between these two because Joel Embiid, games, this dude's going crazy, bro. He's the, he, okay, so Embiid's the five seed in the East. He's averaging 33.3 points a game. He's leading the NBA. He's shooting 54% from the field, 85% from the line. He's averaging 10 boards, five assists, a, a steal, and two blocks. And he's got a 34.9 player efficiency rating, which is third in the NBA. Then, like Nick said, you got Kevin Durant, who's the four seed in the East. He's averaging 30. Bro, 56% from the field from a like a non-big man. Like, KD's not just like dunking the ball or like shooting layups. Like, he's shooting mid-range. He's shooting fadeaways. He's shooting threes. And he's shooting 56% from the floor. Like, that's fucking crazy, dude. Right. Like, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's the one of the best, probably the best scorer I've ever seen. Like, he is ridiculous. Uh, like And like Nick was talking about, 56% from the field. He's 35 from three. He's 92 from the line. And then he's got seven boards, six assists, and he's got two blocks, too. So he's blocking shots. And his PER is 32.1. But I did give the slight edge to Joel Embiid because he's averaging a little more points. He's pretty much just as efficient. And I think he's a little bit better defender. So I gave the slight edge to Joel Embiid, but like, see, this is to go either way. This is yeah, where I, I mean, see this is where I see the fan voting coming in and Donovan Mitchell getting kicked out of that yeah. group of six. Yeah, I could see that too. But I think that I think they forced the two guards. I think you have to pick two guards. I think you have to pick two. But that's why I think they would make they would finagle it in a they way would, to yeah. make Tatum Tatum a guard so that Tatum could go in and be you know they could have Tatum, a Tatum guard and, is just disgusting to think about <laughs> yeah for real i mean he play, i mean both him and brown bring the ball up sometimes but neither one of them are guards they're both no i, I don't want a six shooting guard no thank you yeah for real <laughs> but uh yeah so i mean listen you can't go wrong either way with any of those forwards like those are four of the best players yeah, in basketball. they're all Tatum, like it's, Tatum. it's one or the other there man like you like you any any three out of those four like i'm not going to be mad because those guys are all just incredible basketball players each of them the best basketball player on their team and all those guys are in you know in the thick of the the east playoff race so now we'll yeah. switch over to the west now we'll switch over to the west we got some great guards out west there's four names in my head that i would even consider um ethan i want to know what you think man who are your guards out west my guards i had a really tough time choosing all of, like the two only two of them is difficult um yep. i did narrow it down to number one luca for obvious reasons and it was down to John Morant and Shea, and I did choose Shea out of the two of them. Mm. Yeah, I can't, I can't argue with that too much, man. I was, I'm, I'm a little bit different than you, but John Morant and Shea. Uh, I'll talk about Shea a little bit later. Shea is, he is so nice, bro. But uh, I'll get to, uh, I'll ask you, Nick. What, who are your two guards out west? Uh, so I have Luca, obviously, and I have John Morant. Um, I just think John Morant is one of the one of the most special players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shea's great, but I think I think stats are easier to come by when you're on a losing team. When you're yep. stats when you're when you're surrounded by better players all around you and you're winning and your stats are up, I think you're just a better player. He's a better playmaker. He's got that burst of quickness where no one can guard his first step because he just mm-hmm. blows past anybody. 
So I think it would like John Morant is going to make the All Star game like crazy with with his speed and his athleticism. Dude, when you think of the All Star game, like John Morant is like the player I think of in the All Star game. Like you just see guys throwing yeah. lobs to John, like LeBron, LeBron throwing a lot of jaw, like jaw, like windmilling it in the air, like. He's one of the guys you think of in the All-Star game. I think that's how, like, a lot of people think about the All-Star game, too. Like, you want to, like, as far as the game goes, like, you want to see crazy highlights, you know? Yeah. So, we'll talk about the West forwards in a sec. Like, you're going to get some crazy highlights out of some of those dudes. But, um, so I agree with you guys on Luca. Luca's the, he's the nine seed in the West right now. But, I mean, he's 33, nine and eight with two steals on 50% shooting. Like, 34.4 PER. Like, he's one of, maybe the best offensive player in the league right now. He is, he's... You can't argue with it. Luka Doncic has to be in the All-Star game. And then I'm going to disagree with both of you, actually. My Curry? second guard is going to be Steph Curry. I mean, he's he's the 10 seed in the West right now. I'll give you that. And Jaws, Jaws' team is better, so he's got to get credit for that. But Curry's, Curry's doing something only Steph Curry has ever done before, which is 30 points per game on 50% shooting, 40% from the line with the 50-40-90 season. 30 points per game on 50-40-90. The only person who's ever done that before is Steph Curry, and that was in his unanimous MVP season when they won 73 games. Like, he is he's being so underrated right now because the team isn't good, but Steph, and obviously he just got hurt like we talked about, but Steph Curry's a fucking monster, dude. He's he's ridiculous. Like, oh, yeah, he's averaging... He's, I mean, he's my favorite player, so I, like, he's, dude, he's insane. Um, and he's... He's one of the best players to watch in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he and two, he's averaging seven boards and seven assists too, and a steal. So like, it's he's not just scoring; he's contributing in other ways. But I can't argue too much with Ja. Like he's like the Memphis just took over the one seed in the West. He's averaging twenty eight a game, forty six percent shooting, eight assists, seven boards, and a steal. Like Ja Morant's a beast, and like we talked about, like when you think of the All Star game, you think of high flying dunks. Like that's what Ja Morant does, but. Ethan, you shouted out Shea. Like, we got to give a big shout-out to Shea Gilders yeah. Alexander. If like, he's not making a star, he's definitely going to be the first guy off the bench. He's mm-hmm. he's going to be he's gonna be an all-star for sure because right now, obviously, the team isn't doing so hot. But, dude, 31 a game on 50% from the field. He's shooting 93% from the line. And then he's got six boards, five assists. And he's averaging two steals and a block, too. So he's contributing on the defensive end. Like, Shea Gilders Alexander, I think he's going he's gonna to win most improved player for sure because he's going crazy and we got to show him his we got to give him his flowers man because Shea Gildas Alexander is going off like he's one he's been one of the best players in the league this year for sure but we will now transition to the forwards in the west again I had some tough decisions with this one this I had a couple of tough decisions on this one because there was four names that came into my head four names that you know I thought are all easily deserving and I don't, you can only pick three so Ethan who are your three names for the forwards out west Number one, I'm going to have to go Anthony Davis with how he's Got been it. performing as of late. There, if he keeps up this consistency and he doesn't get injured like Anthony Davis usually does, I feel like he should be a starter. Um, after that, I do have Jokic as he is sort of turning it around. He's performing a bit better. His team's performing a bit better. He just jumped up to number three in the MVP ladder. Mm-hmm. And my last one, I'm going to have to go Zion. Yep. I feel like I feel like Zion is more than deserving for it, though there is a lot of just jam-packed forwards in the West that you could have chose for this. Uh, and there's one the biggest name is one that you didn't even say. Nick, who are your yeah. who are your uh three forwards, man? Yeah, so I, I it's, it's very similar to his, but uh I do have that one big name. Um so LeBron mm-hmm. James, 
I, I just don't see how he's not going to start an all-star game. Uh, he, he's it's just a fan vote. He's LeBron. If yeah. it wasn't a fan uh, vote, then I think my list would have been just fine. Um, 100%. I agree with you, Ethan. But uh, the other two guys I want to see on the court, which I think would just perfectly fit the team, would be Zion Williamson and then Jokic. So you you have John Morant, Luka, with Zion, LeBron, and Jokic on the floor. I just think with specifically with Zion and John Morant that Crazy. The, fa- the fans are going to get to see exactly what they paid for in the All-Star game. That that old AAU South Carolina connection between those two, they're going to yeah. rekindle that. That's That would be, man, that would be special to watch. You watch those two throwing lobs to each other, man. But Ethan, I got the same exact, or I got the same exact list as you, Ethan. I left LeBron oh. off. Like, like I literally left LeBron James off of my All-Star team. Now, LeBron's going to be an all-star starter because we know it's a fan vote. And same thing with the East. I think Kevin Durant's going to be an all-star starter because it's a fan vote, right? But as far as people who I think are most deserving, I went with AD because, let's face it, he's the best player in the Lakers right now. He's, yeah. like, he's, he's easily the best player in the Lakers right now. Maybe not easily, but he's, he's the best player in the Lakers. He's averaging 28 a game. Arguably, he's the best player in the Lakers right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, 28 points a game. 12 boards a game, leading the NBA, 59% shooting. And regardless of the two missed free throws that we talked about last week, he's still shooting 82% from the line. So he's averaging 2.2 blocks, which is top five in the league and a steal. And his PER, 36.2 PER, leads the NBA. So this guy is going insane. He's He's been the best forward in the West so far this year. So I don't think you can leave him off. Like Anthony Davis has got to be on there. And then Nikola Jokic as well. You both talked about Jokic like – He's the three seed in the West right now. He, the only two teams ahead of him are are, uh, are the Pelicans and Memphis. Like, so he's going crazy. 25 a game. Dude, he's shooting 63% from the field. 63% from the field. Like, that's ridiculous. He's shooting 81% from the line. He's averaging 10 boards and 9 assists. So this dude's almost averaging a 25-point triple-double. And he's second in the league with a 35.8 PER. So I don't know how you keep him off. And then, like you both talked about with Zion. Like, Zion's the two seed in the East. 25 a game he's shooting 60 percent from the field seven boards four assists and a block and he's his per is 27.3 so he's having an incredible season and the only reason why i left lebron off is because it's really hard for me to put two all-stars from a team that's not even in the play-in right now in the all-star game so again he's lebron james he's gonna be in the all-star game he's gonna start in the all-star game we all know that but as far as people most deserving right now I think Zion's just a little bit better. LeBron averages one point more per game, but Zion shoots 13% better from the field. And LeBron takes more threes, but Zion shoots a better percentage just because he doesn't take a lot of them. He shoots a better percentage from the line, just barely. LeBron's got more assists and more rebounds. And Zion's PER is better by 0.1. But, like, they're neck and neck. You could go either way. I'm not mad if you go either way. But for me, it came down to Zion and LeBron, and I had to go with Zion because I don't think you can go with two all-stars from, you know, the – you know, from the 12th uh, no, seed I, in the West. I, I was, I, I almost wanted to pick LeBron and AD to go. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's tough. Like if you got, if you got two of the, you know, two of the, what, what this is, two of the test, 10 best players in the league, like you wouldn't be the 12th seed in the exactly. West, you know, yeah, like exactly. it's, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to say that, but um, I think that's going to about do it today for us on the, on the uh, brick house. Thank you guys for joining me, man. This was fun. Uh, again, shout out to our sponsors. Uh, Liquid IV, you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code at the checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use our promo code, the underscore house, underscore call, underscore podcast at liquidiv.com. 
Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. We appreciate all your feedback. Tell us we're stupid. Tell me I'm stupid for not putting LeBron James in the All-Star game. Tell us we're smart because we put Jokic or whoever you want in the All-Star game. Be sure to follow all of our individual accounts on social media. Be sure to follow uh, our uh, our house call accounts on social media as well. At the House Call Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Spotify, Twitter. We, did, we got our blog going on our website, www.thehousecall.com. And that's going to be it for us on the Brickhouse tonight. Catch you guys later. Peace. Bobby Green versus Drew Dober. Now, this is a slugfest. This is going to be a brawl. Um, Bobby Green is very much a guy who's in your face trying to get you to, you know, get up 